Brody Sams is currently the goalkeeper coach for Gotham City in the NWSL. His past experience include coaching through the ranks of the A-League before coming here to the States. In this episode, we talk about the importance of connecting and building relationships as a new coach with your goalkeepers. Hope you enjoy. As always, this episode is brought to you by Set GK Goalkeeper Gloves. Gloves by the pros for the pros. With six different models to choose, they guarantee you'll find the feel and fit you're looking for. Use promo code JG25 at checkout for 25% off your order. Set GK. It all starts with your set. Brody, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Awesome. So as we were just talking pre-show, um, talk a little bit about the adjustment. So for those of her, Brody's the the new goalkeeper coach for Gotham FC in that W NWSL. So, and he uh, came all the way from Australia. So what's the adjustment been like from Australia to one of the greatest cities in the United States, New, New York, New Jersey, or greatest states, I should say? Yeah, uh, it, it's been a big one, um, obviously. the Going from one hemisphere to the other was, <laughs> was pretty massive. The temperature was probably the biggest thing that shocked me when I got here. Right. Um, but the weather now, it's uh, it's a bit overcast today, but, um, yeah. you know, starting to wear shorts and shirts, which is like the first time in uh, yeah. four or five months that I've been yeah, able to wear that. And Coming over in the middle of winter isn't, isn't the best time, huh? Yeah. First first day I got here, I saw snow and I haven't been. Right. There's bugger all snow in Australia. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, it's been a bit of a shock that way. And obviously the time zone took me a while to get used to. There's like a 15 mm-hmm. hour difference. Um, but... You know, the, to be fair, when you've got good people around you uh, and you, you've just got a job to focus on, it's you don't have any excuses really. You just get into it and right. and, uh, and deal with it. I think the sleep probably was the, the longest sure. thing. You know, it took me a while to get into a good sleeping pattern. But um, right. no, we're pretty much settled now. In, <laughs> Made it. Yeah, you're everything. good. It's good. Yes. So what was that like coming over? Because you came over kind of again, middle winter during preseason. So, I mean, what was that adjustment like? Because you don't really essentially have an adjustment period. Like you're adjusting on the fly. So, you know, what, what were some of the challenges facing there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I got here. I had three days quarantine and then next next day into preseason. Um, I wasn't able to start preseason with the group. I think I came in at week four or week wow. three. Um so yeah, basically I had to learn learn everyone, yeah. get straight into the job. Um, there wasn't really an adjustment time. Um, mm. So yeah, yeah, just just learning how to adapt to the new people, meeting everyone. So you're meeting like thirty five different right. people on on one day. It's like whoa, okay, hello. <laughs> and I'm bad enough with names as it is. So yeah, uh, that took a little while to get to know people's names and put a name to a face. But other than that. You know, getting into the flow with the coaches, the players, um, it wasn't too bad. Right. Yeah. So before we dive into kind of what your time at Gotham, you know, where where did you start coaching? And I know you were in the A League for a little bit, but where did you start? How'd you get into it? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, well, I was lucky enough to. I mean, I realized pr- pretty early on. I realized at about nineteen that I wasn't going to be a player. I'm uh, right. fairly short, so uh, you know, in Australia, the uh, back then. The goalkeepers had to be well over six foot and had to mm. be able to kick a mile. Um, right. And I was a bit different. Um, and back you were just ahead of your time. That's really what it was, right? Just... Yeah, <laughs> it's all a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah. you know, the minute I stepped onto my first coaching course, uh, which was an outfield coaching course, 
everything clicked for me. Like I just mm. felt like that was exactly where I needed to be. Um, and so since that moment, I just did everything I could to try and give myself opportunities to coach. And, um, you know, here I am. So I'm, I'm very blessed to have the opportunity that I've got. But I started coaching with the Brisbane Raw, Raw youth team, so the boys team. Okay. Um, and then since then, you know, I was lucky enough to get uh, volunteer as the A-League men's assistant um, mm -hmm. for, for a little while. Um, and that also opened doors to get into the, the women's program there. So for the best part of like five or six years, I was working across those three teams um, in Brisbane and doing, you know, three sessions a day, every day. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was getting a lot of experience in a short amount of time. Um, and I jumped on coaching courses, as many coaching courses as I could early on. So in the first couple of years, I probably did six coaching courses um, just to, to learn as much as I could uh, about right. you know how they were wanting to coach in Australia um, and, and understand that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like I'm just a student of the game. Um, I also am very passionate about human development and, and yeah. the human being behind the athlete. And so if I could combine those two things, you know, my love of football and, and you know, loving the mind and, and, and the human being, then that was all I cared about. And so I just put myself in, in positions to be able to do that as much as I could. What are some things you try to focus on when you talk about loving the mind, loving the human? You know, what are some, some I guess, things that w when you're starting to build relationships, what do you try to do first? Uh, I'm... I I can be a bit of a pain in the ass when it comes yeah. to this because I like uh, I love asking questions and I love right. getting people to think about things maybe they haven't thought about before um, because I sort of believe that if you understand yourself to a deep level then then you know that's at the end of the day you've got you you know right and so if you can understand what you are instead of get swayed into some of the things that you might think you are but you don't truly know um, I think that if you ask yourself some tough questions or some like inquisitive questions and you have yeah. an objective like viewpoint on that um then you can really learn some interesting things and then once you learn about yourself you can figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are and where you want to grow and things mm. like that um so yeah i love asking people questions i love yeah. making people think about themselves uh that's probably my my favorite thing to do <laughs> yeah well i mean it's important though right because you have to learn about them some way so it's like you know if you don't ask you'll just never know you know why this person does this why they do that and I think asking questions too also builds trust, right? Because eventually the more you do it, you know, maybe they're having a bad day and then maybe that day is the day they feel, okay, kind of a little bit open to share. It's like having a rough day, you know, if my training's off, just, you know, give me, you know, cut me a little bit of slack, but, you know, something like that. So I know I think that's important. I think it's it's always good to ask questions and I feel the same way though. It's like, you know, you don't want to pester them, right? But it's like, you still got to, got to at least like know when, when to, when to cut it off. Mm. Yeah. So... You, you were a volunteer, so you volunteer with the first teams. Um, there's a big discussion in a couple goalkeeper chats that I'm in that, like, how, you know, a lot of goalkeeper coach jobs in the States are volunteer. And, you know, and, you know, these goalkeeper coach pundits are saying, you know, we shouldn't be volunteers anymore. But how important was that, you know, volunteer experience for you as a young coach and in, in developing your coaching philosophy, et cetera? I wouldn't be here if I didn't do it. Right, um, exactly. Yeah, I think that it gives you a number of opportunities to learn. Um, obviously, you want to get paid for what you do, but at the same time, it also humbles you. You know, you gotta you gotta sort of figure out a way to to put yourself in in the you know the window 
to, to get seen and, and to get observed, but at the same time, right. you need to watch and learn. And mm -hmm. I had a great me mentor, um, Jason Kitt, and he was the first team goalkeeping coach. At Jason Kitt, not the basketball NBA basketball coach. No, he, so. was <laughs> Jason Kitt. And, uh, oh, Kitt and Kitt. I thought you said Kitt, okay. Yeah, he played yeah. at... Uh, he played at Everton, actually. He's one of the only Australians to have a FA Cup. Oh, wow. Role. Yeah. But um, he, uh, he let me come in every day and work with, work with the keepers and mm -hmm. him. And, you know, his methodology was just about the game. We, you know, yep. we'd watch the game. We'd go, well, you know, the, the old school way of training of just doing technical work and running through markers and things like that. Like, that was where it was back then. But he sort of changed and was like, well, why are we doing this? It doesn't happen right. in the game. Um, and so being able to see him work at that level um, with some of the best keepers in the country in the men's game um, really opened my eyes and it was from a young age so that really inspired me to to go and put that down with the youth youth team um, and work at it with the youth team um, but yeah going in every day and volunteering knowing you need to you should get paid and right all of that stuff you it is a it is a battle but you know you, you find a way like you go and get yeah. another job you work late hours you do whatever you can to to put yourself in the position to be able to, to learn as much mm -hmm. as possible especially early on so how'd you get connected with the gotham job was it just one you applied for like you know because when you talk about mentors and you have somebody like jason ken who you know forgive me i've never i you know i've never heard of him but you know it's like he's still a, i'm sure a well-known name and has played at a high level so it's you know the volunteer hours kind of connects you with the right people you know it's like so for me again just you know so how'd you get ended up getting connected with gotham and you know how does that experience too with the mentorship and, and the volunteer hours play play a role in it um how i think look i didn't apply for the job um yeah. i i got a text message early in the morning from scott at about three o'clock okay. i sort of woke up and was like what's this yeah, yeah someone was playing some sort of trick on me with you know, I didn't know what Gotham FC was. Um, right. I thought someone was like, yeah, Batman or whatever. Like, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I went back to bed. Yeah, so, so you didn't get a Batmobile when, <laughs> when you accepted the job. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, so I, I got a text from Scott. I, I believe my resume was uh, passed on to Scott. Um, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to work with Nadine Angra, who's working over in Portland Yeah. Um, with the Portland Thorns. She came and played in Australia, in Brisbane for a couple of seasons and I was coaching okay. with the women's then. And so building that relationship, working with her, um, I think that that was the, the way that yeah. you know, I was able to get a foot in the door here. She she was kind enough to put my resume forward and, and they must have been scraping the barrel and here I am. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. What's the difference between uh, football in Australia and here, would you say, if there is one? Uh, it, well, okay, so I can only talk about the women's game yeah. Here, so uh, I mean, the women's game in Australia, especially recently, is more in a development phase. Like it's a shorter mm -hmm. season. Um, right. That's right. Yeah. A lot of the the best players from from Australia are playing overseas, um, and so there's there's more like the last two or three years have been more of an opportunity for the younger players in Australia to come up. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And develop. So the experience of the players is lesser at the moment in Australia. So it's more mm -hmm. of a development development league excuse me um whereas here you know you've got some of the best players in the world right um they've played for 10 15 years at the highest level so that's probably the biggest difference outside of the you know the, the physicality the speed the quality the resources and support mm. behind the, the players and the club right um that's probably the biggest thing 
The the difference though is like our A leagues, the clubs are tied with the men's, whereas here, okay, yeah, the, the clubs aren't tied with the men's. Right, right. So there's some of the differences. Yeah. Yeah. So what um so as you go from the A league to here, when you got in, what were some of like your first, I guess you know, first steps that you wanted to take with the current goalkeeper group and how you kind of want to implement your philosophy, your style, because obviously with your current group, you know, you have the likes of Ashton Harris, who's been in World Cups, you know, Hensley is a brand new, you know, just was drafted. So you have all ends of the spectrum. So, you know, what was kind of your your goal for the first couple of weeks to, to get started? Um, well, I mean, the first thing that I did before signing was, was speak to them, all three of mm-hmm. them. Uh, we had some good chats on the phone. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm massive about people owning their own development and understanding themselves, as I said before. So if I could get an idea of what they wanted to achieve, um, for themselves personally, then I could figure out how to shape that into our, into our sort of methodology. Um, in coming here, because I came in late, uh, they had a a goalkeeping coach, um, from the Red Bulls Academy look after them for the first couple of weeks, Dan, which... You know, legendary for him for, for coming in mm. and helping out. Um, I suppose I had to come in and work out, right, where, where are they at right now after the three right. weeks? But then them learning about me and how I like to work uh, in a like physical sense because they'd only mm. heard, heard me on the phone. Um, and then also figuring out, well, right, we're, we're this far away from, from our first game. What are some of the things we need to tick off? How are you feeling? You know, we had other things to take into consideration, like where we were training. We we're training indoors and yeah. on uh, Astro, so we there was only so much we could do. Otherwise, their bodies would have been slammed. Right, right. Um, so you know, it was it was an adjustment. I couldn't come in and do everything that I wanted, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I was also learning about them. So I was asking a right. lot of questions. What do you like? What don't you like? What's worked right. for you in the past? You know, I set them probably way too many surveys. So I yeah, yeah. Them more individually. Um, because the more that I understand about them, the more I can sort of shape, shape what I do. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it makes your life, it makes your life easier. You know, just, I think for me, like, cause I, you know, I started at Pitt in the fall and like my training philosophy in South from the fall to the spring has just been completely different because, you know, the fall is similar to you. I came in like a couple of days before preseason. So I didn't really know, um, who was on you know, besides like, like you said, a phone call, I didn't really know anything about them. So it's like. The fall was really a huge adjustment period for trying to, you know, figure out how to train them and how, you know, how they, how, how they understand how I train and the spring was completely different. So, you know, what I want to ask is, where's your training style and philosophy developed from the A-League to where you are now or even, you know, your first couple couple years in the A-League to, to now? Uh, look, I was lucky to, to have Jason work with me back in Australia early on. Um, mm-hmm. My coaching style was how I was brought up which was dive through cones dive over markers right you know nothing in relation to the goal or the game it was all technical mm-hmm. um and like most people they teach how they were taught um whereas right. he he was able to sort of put questions in me and say you know why would you do this and so essentially I just look at the game and 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 from that you figure out you need to bring out the 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 events that occur in the game as much as possible um, and then my own personal study, like I love studying how we learn and everything like that. And mm-hmm. everything I do is based around creating an environment because if you create the environment right and you set the constraints and the rules or, or whatever it is, you do that well, uh, you do that well thought out, um, then 
you almost don't need to, to stand and coach verbally. Like you just put right. them in there and they'll figure it out on their own. I suppose the, one of the things I did have to do was balance that with also getting high reps in, you know, cause yeah. I've had, you've got Ash and Mish um, who are, you know, they've come from a different background. They've come right. from a fairly technical um, background for the majority of their career. So they like getting the reps in, they like getting the technical stuff in. So balancing that was probably uh, something that I had to change. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm lucky enough to work with these guys four times a week. So throughout a yeah. week, you can sort of have a more technical focus, high reps focus. And then in other days, you can, you can, you can have right. a more free-flowing session where it's more discovery and decision-making um, mm -hmm. and things like that. So it's always about having decision-making in there. Um, and I think positioning and movement patterns has always got to be in there. Um, but how you deliver that is, is probably the biggest thing I've learned and when I deliver it. Yeah. Interesting. So how do you, how do you go about <clears throat> planning a session? Like, what are, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the game or are you thinking about a past session, past game? You know, how, what's your, it's probably going to depend too on the, on the, on the week, but you know, you match Saturday, let's say, you know, what, what's a, a week of training sessions look like for you in terms of your thought process and, and planning? Very generally speaking, um, I mean, it, it, let's say we've got four sessions between between games. Mm. So the first the first session back, we'll, we'll generally look at trying to solve anything that's come from the weekend before. Mm. Um, and I'll always try and incorporate some sort of passing and receiving. Yep. I'll always try and incorporate some sort of general handling um, mm. with movements. And then I'll get into like, you know, your match scenario. So that's how I would structure out the session. Yeah. Um, and then whatever match scenario that was, whether it's from the weekend before, um, you know, then we'd, we'd go and coach that. But then throughout the rest of the week, it would be, uh, you know, you need to hit off a certain few things. You've got a mm -hmm. match day minus one where, you, you know, it's just sharp. You're just sharpening. Right, you got right. reflexes. So I would look at, you know, how the next opponent is, is uh, attacking us, where they get a lot of their finishes from. Um, mm. and that would be where I would design my reflexes session. Yeah. You know, where are they crossing from? Where are the shots coming from? Short, sharp, no real crazy decision-making. Yeah, yeah. Just, just habits um, and repetition. But then you've got your match day minus two, which might be a bit more crosses, might be a bit bigger. Mm. Um, you know, making sure you're getting the distribution in there as well. You know, where are they giving us space? Um, where are we trying to exploit with our feet? but also where do they put in their crosses and their free kicks, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose a match day minus three or the middle of the week. I mean, it really depends on the, the, the team schedule as well. Right. Maybe right. Like a strength day. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, you're almost just warming them up and getting them prepared to get mm. smashed in the small side of games. Or yeah. yeah. But yeah. If we've got time, um, then of course we'll, we'll probably use, do a similar session to the first one, which is um, let's have a look at our opponents and ha have a look at how they create a lot of their chances. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll try and replicate that as close as we can to the match um, and, and get it, get our keepers exposed to, you know, right. visually, positionally, what mm -hmm. they're going to, what they're going to face. Yeah. So how do you go about now, this is probably the trick part, developing each goalkeeper? Because again, like, you know, Ashland has different goals than different needs than Hensley. So it's like, you know, just two ends of the spectrum here. So, you know, what are, what are some things that you do for them individually to help them to help them kind of get where, where they need to go? Yeah. Well, we've got, 
individual de- development plans, so IDPs yep. for our keepers. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the the scenarios that we're teaching uh, or, or, or focusing on, they're in every game. Yep. Um, and so I suppose making sure that we're developing the understanding and that they're knowing what they're looking at or knowing what scenario they're in so that they can associate that when they go and play. So Hensley, for example, is not playing that much. Mm-hmm. I spend a little bit more time communicating with her about what we're working on right. um, because it's going to take her a little bit more to associate this training exercise with the game because she hasn't played as many games. Right. So I've got to use video and have a look at it um, and explain what we're doing more, whereas with Ash, and, and well, Ash, is she, if she's playing more, then she'll she'll be able to go, that's right, I did this last weekend or yeah. I, mean, I felt this in the game. Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a quicker association for her. So that's probably the biggest thing is speaking to them and, and really getting getting that understanding of what we're doing and then yeah. telling them why we're doing it um, is the biggest one. So that, you know, if they know why they're doing it, they're going to buy in and they're going right, to exactly. give, give more. And yeah. I wish you guys would use analytics because, I mean, you were mentioning, you know, about where teams typically cross and finish from. So, you know, how, how important has analytics become? Like, do they wear catapults or some type of GPS in training? And, you know, how do you use that type of information to, to monitor player loads? And kind of, the, it does it play an in, in effect in your session? Because I know, you know, we use them here. I see the player loads. It's like ours are always a lot lower than the field of players. So it's like, I don't really, I haven't really figured out how to, a way to, to kind of use them in this or like, you know, to adjust the sessions. Because I don't know for goalkeepers if it, how serious it really is. So. I'm just curious to see how you guys use them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we do. We they wear the mm-hmm. the catapults um, and the GPS. So, I suppose the biggest thing is to make sure that they're not just doing high, like a, a massive amount of dives every day. Yeah. Um, and for example, like Philip, our strength and conditioning coach, he um, he will tell us like the goalkeepers worked really hard today. So like just a week gone, yeah, a, a fairly solid first day back with the keepers. You know, I had almost 50 minutes with them mm-hmm. um, and we were working on sort of like you want to be one one v one breakaway so it's a longer distance to travel yeah. back to get into the goal or you know you might be blocking or spreading where that takes its toll on the body yeah um, so knowing that you don't want to just be going and smashing them too high mm-hmm. you sort of got to have a high day and then you might just bring it right back down um, the next day so that they're not just going to be super fatigued right um, you know, but then the other analytics in terms of the stats and stuff like that, we, we use them all the time in our scouting just to get an idea of right. trends and what opponents doing and, you know, what do the stats say basically because mm. then you can have a look at, at the game, you can have a look at the stats and you can sort of marry the two up. Um, and then from there you pick out what your priorities are. Yeah. So what are some, some daily habits going off that that, you know, that you've noticed from Ashen and Rochelle um, even Hensley, for that matter, that, that makes them, you know, ex- excel at that level? I mean, they're, they're, all, they're all pros. They're very good pros. Mm. Um, Hensley's attitude and mindset, in fact, all of their attitudes and mindset is the thing that probably sets them apart. Like, they're just, yeah. they're just winners, and they just want the best, and they want to be the best, and they get frustrated mm. themselves when they're not. And yeah. So even some, that's something I've got to manage because it's like, well, don't let that waste or you know, drain your energy when you could just move on and focus on the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good because they care. So 
Um, it, it's probably their attitude. Every single day they're looking to improve on something. Every single day they're, they're open to learn. Um, they're doing everything in the gym uh, in mm. activation. Like they do everything to get their bodies right to jump into yeah. the session from the beginning. Um, like they don't, they don't skip any corners, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So last question that I'm very curious about too in just terms of development as a coach is where do you feel you've grown the most from day one as a professional coach to, to now, you know, what, where, where have you seen yourself grow the most? Um, it's probably got to be putting the ego aside. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that uh, you see a lot of coaches, especially in the past where, where I've grown up from, it was like the coach was the one who was telling you what to do and they knew what to do and they were the mm. source of the knowledge. I think now it's like putting that aside and going, we're all learning, we're all growing. Mm. Um, how can we all learn and grow together and achieve our goals together, especially as a goalkeeping department? Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing. But then, you know, because from that you realise, well, I can help you, you can help me, we can all help each other. Um, and, and not putting your, like, you know everything into it, I think yeah, that's yeah. probably the biggest thing because you don't, no one does, you know. Right. I mean? Like, we can always keep learning. And so that's where the power of the questions come in. If you ask good questions to yourself and to, to the people you're working with, I think I think you can sort of, your, your potential is, you can fulfill it that way. Right. You've got with endless it. opportunity, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much uh, for coming on, taking the time, and good luck with the rest of the season. Thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Talk to you again. All right. Great. Thanks, mate.